revelation, uh, I, I was sitting here trying to think, like, how will I make a nice alliterative title for this episode? Um, and what I landed on is we got to blend a little Spanish and we're going to call it Cuatro Christmas Canciones con el Jefe. Nice. <laughs> Although none of them are Spanish, but that's, that's okay. true, right? <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> oh, well, we've got, look, what do we have? We've got like a, one got that was French. in Latin. We got French. That's right. So two French, we, uh, two French. So we, so we, 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 it's like we were shooting at a bullseye and we, we got our bullets a little outside the center. We, we came close. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you, you know, Jeff, the, um, the shortbread, uh, baking thing that you did mm-hmm. for a previous episode, mm-hmm. it remains one of my favorite things that's ever happened on the podcast. Uh, ah. Shortbread I, remains one of my favorite things that has ever happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you been, have you been doing a lot of shortbread baking this season? Uh, not a lot, but I, I made, actually I made a batch. It was a month or so ago. Yeah. And it sits in the freezer and I take a little bit every once in a while. Oh, I hadn't realized. I mean, that makes sense. It would freeze well. Um, yeah. My uh, my kids and I did try to follow your recipe the year that you did that. When was that? Was that 2020? I don't Maybe. Um, probably. I don't remember very well. I, I thought it was delightful. So my kids and I followed your, your spoken recipe kind of as you went along. Um, in fact, actually, I've been, I don't remember if I ever brought this up to you, but your, I, I never knew that you could make wheat flour just from like blending up, or excuse me, oat flour from oat blending flour, up yeah. oats. And that saved me in a pinch. Not too, not too long after I had listened to that episode, I ran out of, uh, I ran out of wheat flour, and I was baking bread, and uh, <laughs> so I just add a little oat flour to it. it. Worked out great. Nice. But but yeah, my kids and I were following your your shortbread recipe, and um, they were we were at the time uh, deep in deep in the Lord of the Rings, and um, uh-huh. so we uh, we tried to cut it in the shape of leaves and called it lembus. Nice. <laughs> perfect it does it does hold a good shape doesn't it yeah and so and yeah, i mean with with modern refrigeration you could make it last a real long time that's great right so uh let's let's talk about some some christmas carols um what uh which which one were you thinking would be nice to tackle first oh it's a good question these are all great songs and they're all quite old i don't know if you noticed that i did um, and i love that yeah, very old songs. Um, so, well, maybe we start with the oldest. Well, and it's disputable whether it really is the oldest, but O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, some people say it goes back to the 800s. Oh, really? Um, I had heard, like, what, like 17th or 16th century? But, yeah, so, so it, could go, it could be even older than that, huh? Could be. Um, the earliest um, written version of the text is from 1710. Um, so see. it may not really be that old, but some people say. Um, uh, but the the tune itself, um, actually, just about fifty years ago, somebody found the tune in a collection of um, of Gregorian chants, medieval chants from the fourteen hundreds. Mm. So the tune is very old. Um, the text may be um, old as well. That's that that is def- that's a big part of what is so like what like grips me so completely these these songs these ones and and old hymn tunes as well that like because like an institution like a church has a preserving power over things right whether it's books literature it's just stories whether they're told or not you know like a government can have the same effect but as a like there's some there are some uh religious institutions that have outlasted typical governments you know libraries burned down stuff like that you know what i mean and so like these these religious songs end up being like these listenable uh time machines in some ways you know like things it's like a package for preserving things you know and right. uh, man you think about how many m- millions of people have sung or played this melody you know over how many yeah. centuries and then to participate in that by also playing it it's just, mm. it's, it's, it's beyond what I can quite comprehend, you know, like I can't quite right. grasp how huge that is, but it feels amazing. It's just like magic. Connecting into this really ancient yeah. religious tradition. Yeah. 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 It's a beautiful thing. Um, I, I was thinking recently in a similar uh, vein about um, poets and uh, as you read in the Old Testament, a variety of the prophets there were poets. Mm. And, and I was thinking about that and thinking, why is that? Is it just that prophets wax poetic? Or is it that 
poets write things down and so their words are preserved. Oh. Mm-hmm. And and there might be other prophets who weren't poets and they spoke, but nobody read it, wrote it down. And so we don't have their words, but we have the poet's words because they wrote them down. Ah, that's interesting. The the, um, pro, the prosy ones don't get don't get preserved as long. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, huh. Anyway. The, or there's uh, something about the process of writing poetry, maybe, that makes you think through ideas and feelings and express them in ways that are more powerful than other ways of communicating maybe and, and that, that lends itself to music that totally makes sense to me like there's there you know on the theme of these um these religious christmas carols there's there's one um i, I love it like like i love it when anytime like a poet manages to cram volumes of meaning into like three or four words you know like just mm-hmm. like the efficiency of it Right. Whether whether it be religious poetry or secular, you know, just like man, it's it's such a craft, you know. It's just amazing uh, when that can happen, and it feels like that comes up often. Um, I was just trying to think of what it what what it is. I think it's um. Oh, holy night! I think that's the Christmas Carol that I'm thinking of. There's a line that just says, "And the soul felt its worth," mm. you know. And I just feel like, to to me at least, that just feels like an explosion of like of of you know like ideas and feelings and and potential meanings that are just packed into so few words, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think O Come, O Come, Emmanuel has, has some of that. And, mm. and being an old tune, we actually don't know who wrote it. Um, it was first written in Latin mm. um, and, uh, and then translated into English, I think, in the 1800s, really, not until then. But, mm. um, but its original text is Latin. It had seven verses. Um, in the English version, we usually have four or five in what we're most familiar with. Mm. Um, but it is really uh, beautiful words, um, really a, a prayer, a prayer to Emmanuel to, to redeem us, to save us from captivity, from exile, from the gloomy clouds of night, uh, from the path of misery, and then, and then to bring us to a victory over the grave, to bring us to cheer, to our heavenly home, it's it's very much this song of redemption, and and each verse begins with the, the words "O come," which is just a strong, hopeful, you know, phrase. "O mm. come, O mm. come, Emmanuel, O come, thou day spring," um, and then each verse ends with the refrain: "Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel." And and that which, just just yeah. to, just to make sure it's in. That Emmanuel is a is a name that Christians use for Jesus. Is that right? Right, Just, right. And okay, it, yeah, yeah. And it means I, I love this this name. It means God with us, which is such a beautiful idea that um, that God sent Jesus to be with us, to be among us, to be one of us. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we look for someone to come deliver us and save us, and God sends someone to be with us. Mm. to to mourn with us to be with us in our sufferings to to feel with us and be a part of us mm. Mm. which is really kind of a beautiful idea of of compassion and mercy and suffering um, that god would suffer with us in that way yeah that is lovely that's a that's a it, it, it makes sense like i'm thinking about like like the when i was when i was younger what i might have expected for to to be like help when I was um you know feeling down for example if in, in recent years as I've I've dealt with as as many people probably do as they get older you know increasing bouts of anxiety or depression um finding that like it it's not always that actually necessarily that I need somebody to like uh flip a switch in my brain to make things better um sometimes really it's just like if someone's willing to sit down next to me and say you're right this does suck that's actually like the most cathartic right. thing that can possibly happen you know <laughs> yeah absolutely definitely i i don't think that i i would have felt that way when i was younger either though so you know mm-hmm. over time i guess that maybe what works changes or the way we understand our own brains changes or something yeah. uh, it, it's interesting too to me that like i i feel like i've heard this tune so many times during my life you know um, around Christmas time, of course, but, um, like I was familiar with the O Come, O Come title. I, mm-hmm. I feel like I often also see it, it, Veni, Veni, which must be the Latin, right? 
right? Yes. Um, but the most, like, I think lyrically, what I've heard the most is probably Latin. And so, you know, like, I haven't, I know, I'm pretty sure Enya, her recent uh, cover of this one, I think she did it in Latin. Mm. And um, and I think that probably others, I, my dad was actually a big Gregorian chant fan when he was, a, when he when, when I was a kid, we, oh, had, really? we had a bunch of albums of Gregorian chants um, from That's like festivals funny. and stuff like that. And so I, I heard it a lot in Latin. Um, so I actually have not read through the lyrics in English before. Um, but you mentioned that, oh, come thou day spring, and I just am scanning through. And that, speaking of great poetry, what, yeah. do you know what that's called, Jeff, when, when a poet, it's like what comes to my mind is like when, uh, was, it, was it Romeo and Juliet when he's like, shall I compare thee to a this and that? You know, when you take one thing and you compare it to another mm -hmm. thing, it's like yeah. a poetic device of some kind. Um, a metaphor. A metaphor, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. like, there, there's some great poetry out there. Oh, come thou day spring from on high and cheer mm -hmm. us by thy drawing nigh. So it's like the sun coming up, right? And then it says, disperse the gloomy clouds of night. That's, that's, yeah. that's some solid poetry right there. That's great. It is, yeah. Mm. Um, you know, I hadn't thought of this until just, just now as we were talking. The, the tune, um, the first version they find from it back in the 1400s was actually a a burial chant oh really um, which i think well that seems like a weird juxtaposition that we're using a burial chant for this christmas song but then but then you think about what you were just saying about mourning with someone and and god being with us um emmanuel god with us he is with us in our mourning um mourning for death mourning for sin mourning for disease and sorrow and poverty and whatever it is that we mourn for he is with us in that um, and so maybe that's actually perfectly fitting mm, that it yeah. is a burial chant. Um, yeah, God that's, is with us in man, those moments. That, that's really interesting because I, I know that like some some versions of this tune I've heard done they they stay minor throughout. And for, I don't know if I'm if I'm quite hitting the music theory right. If it's a minor uh, or if it's a, some other kind of mode that is you know if it's modal in some way that's close to minor or what exactly, but you know, they stay with that minor feel throughout. But I've heard some versions where when it gets to that rejoice, rejoice line, it suddenly hits a major um, chord, mm. right? So like, it might have been like A minor throughout. And then suddenly it's C major right there. Boom, 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 boom. And then it goes back to minor. And I feel like I can see that, mm. you know, musically making sense as like, this if it's this burial tune, like, man, for the most part, this this is really rough. But then like these little, these little tastes of of either hope or you know it, it's you, you don't want your loved ones to die of course right mm -hmm. but it has been my experience that like i would i would definitely prefer to not have the people who i love who have died died i'd rather have them alive with me right mm -hmm. but accepting that they are now dead some of the like closest most bonding experiences that i've had with others who also loved those people you know come because that person died, you know, it, it, it's like it fuses those of us who are still alive together in our like, in our shared um, love of that person who's now dead, you know, and it, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm getting a little too, uh, a little too woo-woo uh, uh, poetic myself here, you know, but it feels like, oh, I can almost see this as like a, a musical description of what that experience is like, you know, mostly yeah. it's terrible there are these little things that are beautiful that come through as a, you know, kind of as a result of the terrible experience though. Mm -hmm. That, that verse that you were just um, talking about with the day spring, um, the words there fit this conversation perfectly, you know, disperse, disperse the gloomy clouds of night. But then the next line is, and death's dark shadows put to flight. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Look at that. Right. And, and the first line is, Come thou day spring, come and cheer. Cheer our spirits mm. with an abbot. So it's this, this juxtaposition of cheering us in the midst of the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows. Um, and, then, and then that line at the end, Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, um, as you mentioned, you know, being that strong major. And then the next line, Shall come to thee, O Israel. I just realized that is in the future tense. And it's almost as if in this song, it's, it's a plea for future relief. It's not, not relief right now. God is with us in our suffering now, and we are looking forward with a hopeful um, view of, of a future day when there will be that release and that deliverance. Mm -hmm. But now we're in that gloomy night, and we're praying for the light and the cheer to come in the midst of that night, 
before the future deliverance. Mm -hmm. That's interesting too. Like this makes me, this is part of what I love about these like old songs and old stories, right? Is like, if this was, you know, say in the seventh century, something that people would sing while they gathered around, you know, like a keening tune. Is that what it's called? I think a keening tune, the the Scottish like wailing thing, you know, where, hmm. where I, I, think, I think that has something to do with the origins of Peabrook. Um, keening? Uh, hmm. Well, um, anyway, like, I'm just thinking like, oh, Tolkien talked about this, this, this idea of textual ruins, right? Where like, if you have a text that has passed through many hands and translations over the course of many centuries, then some of what you have in front of you might be from, say, the 18th century. But there might be little pieces in there that are from the 8th century, right? These little ruins right. that are left over still. And it's like, oh, I wonder, like, what if this was the first verse, you know, <laughs> you know, mm. hundreds and hundreds of years ago, right? And as it, as it moved through the ages and moved from hand to hand, it kind of collected more. look at now that, that is similar uh so come thou long expected jesus yeah, see um, i was, was going to say it's probably not pat a pan right <laughs> right <laughs> no no that will end on a lighter note okay um, but <laughs> come thou long expected jesus was written by charles wesley um he was the brother to the methodist founder john wesley oh he's um, he's he isn't john wesley the uh the despicable spiders in the hands of an angry god guy <laughs> I'm not familiar with that. Okay, I've, I've heard it. Wrong. I don't know who who said it, but it oh, could okay. be. Um, 
Um, anyway, <laughs> sorry, um, I didn't mean to throw you off track. There. Sorry. <laughs> that's a, it's it's really it's quite an interesting family, by the way. I think yeah. there were three brothers, all of whom became preachers. I think, and their father was a preacher. And anyway, was this like were they like family. colonial America or no in, the wrong time period? Um, similar time period in the 1700s, but in England. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, and they did come over to America for a while, but I think did most of their work in in England. Gotcha. Um, but Charles wrote this song in in the early 1700s. It was published in 1744, and and it's a response to some of the things we were just talking about, you know, death and sorrow and whatever. Especially, um, he was kind of mourning about the the class divides in England and the mm -hmm. poverty and the orphans and everybody around him on the streets, and and responding to that with this hope for a future deliverance, a very similar theme to what we're seeing in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Mm. Um, and in his case, he's building on Haggai 2.7, which says, I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come. I love that phrase, the desire of all nations shall come. Again, this hoping, this longing, this, this forward-looking um, desire for deliverance. Hmm. Um, and Hag so his Haggai is one, text, of the, one of those yeah. many smaller books toward the end of the Old Testament, right? Right, right. I think also a poet, probably, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but the first verse, there's just really two verses of this song, and, and if it's all right, I'll just read the first verse, which again can convey some of these ideas. Come, and it starts with the word come again. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. Again, very much a, a prayer, a pleading for Emmanuel, for Jesus to come born to set thy people free from our fears and sins release us let us find our rest in thee again this hope for rest this pleading pleading for deliverance um, and then israel's strength and consolation hope of all the earth thou art dear desire of every nation joy of every longing heart this this longing this desire is infused throughout this born thy people to deliver born a child and yet a king anyway it goes on but just beautiful ideas again of this hope um this still a hope for deliverance mm. in the midst of of all the dreariness of this world that there can be this hope that gives us some light and some joy but it's a hope for future deliverance mm -hmm. that, that that's that's interesting i i never i never like I've heard this song before, but I, I had no idea this desire of every nation. It's not something that I had ever noted before, nor did I have any idea that that was tied to, to to uh, to scripture in any way or anything. Um, I mean, and yet that, alone a, a scripture like Haggai, which we don't quote very often. Yeah, that's not like that's one of the most popular books, you know. Right. <laughs> it's in there with uh, what else? Uh, Zephaniah, I think, is close yes. by, right? That one stands out because it has a Z in the name, right? But Haggai, you <laughs> right. know, like, what's special about Haggai? Yeah. It's oh, interesting. The, the too, desire of nations. Your 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 idea of like prophet poets is just like bouncing around my brain like a ton here. You know, I'm like I've I've grown up in in a religious community and like been familiar with the ideas of uh, of prophets and scripture and stuff like that, but. It, it wasn't until really recently, actually, that I I looked at a um, an NRSV version of the of the Jewish Bible and 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 uh, and New Testament as well. That like in that one they format poetry, like the, like there'll be like the prose is 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 versified, and then suddenly when there's a poem, like all the text is centered and it's in italics, right? Hmm. And I hadn't realized until really recently how much poetry there is in. In in, in 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 these old scriptures, you know, um, because I'm used to reading versions where it's just like straight versified right through, you know, nothing, yeah. no, no, no break to give me a hint that, that there's something else going on there. That's interesting. I've often thought that Isaiah would be, benefit from using quote marks. So you, oh, know man. Who, so you know who is quoting when. And I, I think Isaiah would benefit also from like visual aids and all, like, <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of things <laughs> that could help me with that. Right, right. Well, anyway, this song, uh, uh, beautiful words, and um, the music, it's been set to a variety of different tunes. Um, the one that, that we're going to share here is uh, a Welsh tune um, from the 1800s, so the, the most modern of all the things we're talking about today is this Welsh tune, um, written by a guy named Roland Pritchard before he was 20 years old. 
Wow. Which is just remarkable, I think. When I look at my life, I think, what have I done? You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, twice his age, and I haven't written a song yet. Um, but, uh, but this tune is called, and I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce this right, but Heiferdahl, I think, is how you say oh, it, yeah. something like yeah. that. Which is a, a really a beautiful tune and, um, and has been put to a variety of different texts over the years, including another Charles Wesley text mm. called Love Divine, All Loves Excelling, and, and many, many others. Um, actually, one, just a, a little story on this. Um, I was part of a band this summer, a pipe band, and, um, and we played the song. Um, my daughter and I play it together and with some harmony and harmony by Tim Cummings and it's just a beautiful harmony um, and we played it and um, and another piper joined with us because he knew the song as well and mm. he told this story afterwards he's from the south and he said that he was invited to play this song at a church some one time and it wasn't a church that he was a part of he just came and played the song for them and as he finished the pastor um, stood up and said um, well this man has just illustrated this song because the title of that song is um, Jesus is a friend to sinners, and this man is obviously a sinner, and <laughs> Jesus is his friend. <laughs> um, which is just a, a delightful little thing, but, um, but Jesus is a friend to sinners, right? And I'm grateful because I, I need friends. Um, but, right, but, yeah, uh, that's, that's the attitude to have, right? Like, uh, yeah. me too. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah. But anyway, it's a beautiful tune. Um, in, in our faith tradition, it's, it's often paired with a song called In Humility, Our Savior, um, which is a beautiful song of, of, uh, uh, that we use in our worship services in, in connection with the communion or, or the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And, uh, and, and in, in that moment of pondering on the Savior's sacrifice and the hope for redemption there. Mm. Um, but a beautiful tune with, again, wonderful harmonies by Tim Cummings. And remind me again, Jeff, what, what was it, this, this strange twist of fate that brought you and Lizzie to playing bagpipes? Weren't you trying to decide between bagpipes or ukulele? Is that what it was? <laughs> that's, 
That is right, yes. <laughs> you ever I, imagine how things would have been different <laughs> if the coin had landed on the other side? Right, this podcast would be a little different. That's for right. sure. <laughs> <laughs> it would be uh, in Hawaii. and yeah. Uh, you might have spent a lot more time on an island instead of getting bit by bugs <laughs> right. in Nauvoo, too, huh? <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, well, let, let's uh, let's shift then. Um, okay. You want to go? You want to go? Uh, pat a pan direction or bring a torch direction? Well, well, they're both French, so let's go French. Let's go um, French first of all. Yeah. Uh, maybe since we're talking islands, let's start in the south of France, which is bring a torch, Jeanette Isabella, which is from the Provence region of France, and which is right along the Mediterranean coast. So, think of those warm beaches. Um, it's next to Italy. Monaco is right there sandwiched in the midst of of Provence. Beautiful region of France. Um, This song was um, first printed in 1553, so this is quite an old one. Um, We don't know who wrote the words, we don't know who wrote the music, we can't give any fun backstories to those people, Um, but the tune itself was later used for a drinking song, so that's kind of fun. There we go. Yes. But the but the tune the song itself um, is um, a beautiful little song about two young women, Jeanette and Isabella. Ah, that's a question I was going to ask you. I've always wondered: is this one hyphenated name, or are these two people? I never I never uh, quite knew. Um, two, I think. Now I'm just I'm questioning that assumption, but I'm pretty sure it's two. No, that um, I mean totally yeah. makes sense. Jeanette and, and Isabella, yeah. You know, like like you say, who knows, right? It's not like we can uh, right. it's not like we can dig up the author and figure it out. So, right. Yeah, and kind of uh, common names in France, so mm-hmm. uh, probably just generic, um, not anybody in particular. But who, maybe, maybe the author wrote them about his daughters. We don't know. Um, or her that's daughters. A, that's a fun idea. I like that idea. Right. Yeah, can you imagine a mother sitting down and thinking like, ah, this Christmas tide, I'll write a song that includes my sweet daughters, you know, and then singing right. it to them and stuff. That's fun. Yeah. Um, Anyway, Jeanette, the, the, the story, just briefly, Jeanette and Isabella are two young women who are called to come to the stable and bring a torch and invite the village to come and see the beautiful baby Jesus and his beautiful mother. Um, and people come, and they, it sounds like quite a lot of them come, and they bring a platter of cakes to celebrate, and, mm-hmm. and they come knock on the door, and they're making so much noise that, that everyone starts to call for them to quiet down, to don't don't wake the baby Jesus, he's sleeping. Mm -hmm. And so everyone comes in quietly and gathers around the sleeping baby and admire him smiling in his sleep there. Just a beautiful little scene. Um, I I imagine, you know, a really festive, excited group, and then they they quiet down and they're still kind of excited looking at the baby Jesus. um, Just a fun fun little setting of a scene there with that song. It it makes me think of like the sort of like the there are so many there are so many like um sort of like midrash style like like extracurricular auxiliary auxiliary stories you might say and characters that get tied into like big old uh held as important kind of stories you know you end up having stories like Oh, I don't know. I'm thinking like like maybe maybe you'd end up having stories not not just about um, Odysseus, but also about each one of his crewmates. You know what I mean? Like over mm-hmm. time, as a story gets gets used a lot, people want to use it in their own lives, and it becomes like it starts to look like their own culture and things like that too. And I'm thinking like the drummer boy, mm-hmm. you know, the little drummer boy, mm-hmm. right? Th- that's a, a cherished story, you know. And maybe it's kind of a kind of a, a thing that has come up uh, for our for out of our culture today. You know, you and I, as we we're talking, like the culture we, we kind of come from. And it, it's, it's just fun to me. Like I hear some people sometimes criticize like um, like the some some of the great German painters who have painted scenes from the Bible, for example. And everybody in these scenes looks German, you know, mm-hmm. but like I feel like that's part of the same thing. Right. It's like taking this story and like folding it into the world where you live. And mm-hmm. so, like, you know, the idea of, <laughs> it sounds very French to me for people to bring, like, a big platter of cakes and stuff Right, like that, yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of what's so cool about it, you know? Right. And we've got the little is. drummer boy, and we've got the little torch girls, and, and we've got the little match girl, too, you know? Like, all of right. these things, right? They all get tied in. Yeah. Yeah, that is nice. And um, it, it, it's also funny, right, that, like, anytime you have a song that talks about being quiet, hush, hush, and we're going to mm-hmm. do it on bagpipes, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Right, we're not we're not helping with the the sleeping. <laughs> right, are we? yeah. yeah. I say we'll, cornemuse. I think that's what the French call them. Cornemuse. We'll we'll stand on the hillside far away. There you go. Today. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, there's an assumption here when I, I've read about people talking about this song that Jeanette and Isabella were farmhands or milkmaids or something like mm. that. It's not actually in the text. It doesn't say that. They're just two young women who were called to the stable. Um, but but that tradition that they are milkmaids um, or maybe connected with the shepherds or something, mm. that tradition carries on um, in modern-day Provence in, in France that at Christ, on Christmas Eve, children will dress as shepherds and milkmaids, and they'll come to midnight mass singing this song and carrying torches and candles. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I found a couple sources that said that. I couldn't find pictures. I didn't look very hard, but yeah. <laughs> but but that's that's the the story at least that that oh, continues on today. That's lovely. And this is this is I, like of of all the like sort of um, Christmassy tunes that you hear, this is one that really gets stuck in my head. I find myself mm-hmm. whistling this tune all the time. Yeah, it's a beautiful tune. I can imagine why people would have used this tune for, as a as a drinking song. It's uh, it's fun, you know. <laughs> you can, and it, it kind of has that like. I can totally like swing my arm like if I were I can imagine holding a flagon in one hand you know and doing the pirate shanty <laughs> swing you know in front like it totally fits <laughs> right <laughs> or you can imagine people dancing and singing as they come to the stage right yes absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> either way with their most excited about partly because of how delightfully silly it sounds <laughs> it's uh, a fun song patapan patapan what, what is patapan is that one of those is it just a you know like like bang i forget what those words are called those words that just mean a sound you know onomatopoeia yeah someone drumming like that's what it's you do it's just to boom, be boom, the boom. sound of the drums I yeah see. and same with the turlurulu it's so it's it, the song is about um, a, two boys. So now we had two girls, now we have two boys. Mm, one bringing his right. fife and one bringing his drum. And so Tururururu is the fife, Patapatapan is the drum. It's all clicking. It's all making sense. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like the little drummer boy, except there's two boys and one has a flute. There we go. Yeah. And, and once again, this is, well, I guess... I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna place these boys in the uh, the stereotypical uh, standard manger scene, but I guess that's not actually what the song is going for anyway, right? It's it's more like let's all get together and have a party, which is right. also great. Yeah. So interesting on this one. Some people have assumed that they were shepherd boys. Oh, um, okay. Well, they. But go. but the song. But as you point out, the song doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. Um, it it does sound more like a modern or modern than seventeen hundreds um, right, community celebration. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this song was written um, by Bernard La de la Monnoye, I think. I'm not sure how to say that exactly. In France, mm-hmm. um, he was a French lawyer, and and a poet, obviously. And in the late 1600s, he actually won a national poetry contest five times. And, wow. <laughs> and right, he was good. And the rumors were that the organizers of the contest actually asked him to stop entering so that <laughs> really? others could have a chance to win right? uh. 
So uh, anyway, he was a poet, apparently a good one, and he wrote a bunch of hymns and poetic riddles. Um, this may be one of the more famous of, of his songs. Um, um, but it does, again, it tells of these two boys, Guillaume and Robin, who were invited to bring their fife and drum and celebrate Christmas. Um, um, it's, a, it's really a fun tune, very lively. Um, if I, I might, I'll just kind of summarize the lyrics a little bit. And there's yeah. actually four verses in the French, but in the English it's usually only three. And they leave out one verse, which I think is really delightful, and I'll get to that one in the end. It's actually the third verse, but I'm going to save it for the end because I love it. Um, so the first verse is, William and Robert, bring your fife and drum with the sound of your instruments, turlurlu, pan will make Noel joyous. And then the second, sorry, this is just kind of not lyrical translation, just translation to get the ideas. Oh, totally, yeah. Um, and then the second verse, this is the way that men of old worshipped the king of kings, with these instruments, and we should do the same. Mm -hmm. And then we're skipping the third verse. And then the fourth verse um, says, God and man are more in agreement, or more at one, than the fife and drum. And with the sound of these instruments, let's sing and dance and jump. Um, so very celebratory, fun, lively, playful song. Um, and then this, the verse that we skipped, um, the French verse that doesn't exist in the English, which I I love. I, I just found this this morning, actually, as I was looking at it. I thought, oh, that's really cool. Um, the third verse says, On this day the devil is conquered. Let's give thanks to Jesus with the sound of the, these instruments. And then the last line is just delightful. It says, um, essentially, the translation is, thumb your nose at Satan. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, so let's mock Satan with the sound of our drums, because uh, Jesus has conquered him. Yeah. Uh, so a very fun, playful song. That's awesome. I like to imagine, too, that, that, you know, and jump thing at the end, like everybody together singing this, hitting their tambourines and stuff, and then all jumping together at the same time. Right, so. yeah. yeah. Thumb your nose very, at very Satan. Very, very fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, I so I, I speak French, and, and I was looking at, at this, and that's how I kind of found that, and I thought, what does that mean, that last line? it's It was faire la nique in French, and I had to look it up, and it yeah, means to mock someone, or one translation said, to thumb your nose. Huh. <laughs> that's fun. Yeah, that's awesome. So that so so here's a here's maybe maybe this is too tangential, Jeff. To, you know, I, I I have the power to delete this later if I, <laughs> if I decide this was a bad direction to go. But are you familiar with the Muppets Christmas Carol? Uh, yes. In in my in my household, this is the greatest Christmas film ever ever made. Um, <laughs> uh, we watch it a lot and quote it a lot and look forward to it uh, every year. We try not to watch it year round, but we've just about could. Um, <laughs> so I it, are, are you aware that. When, when they first released it in the standard edition, right, standard as in standard versus widescreen, there's a scene between Scrooge and his lady love where they sing the love, what was it, the love is, the love is gone, hmm. I think. Um, well, anyway, at the end of the movie, when Scrooge is with the Cratchits and everybody's there all having the party, and they, they all break into this chorus of the love we've found, right, the love we've found will carry with us so we're never quite alone, right? It's beautiful. But when they released the widescreen version of the film, they removed the, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not describing this very well. The scene between young Scrooge and, and his fiance, they're breaking up and they're singing this song, right? It's the same melody and it's, it's the same theme, but it's all about love that we used to have, but it's now gone cold and disappeared and so we're separating, right? Oh, and so then at the end of the film, it's like an answer to that sad part of the film, right? Where it says, the love mm. we found will carry with us, right? It's like this resolution. And by removing the, it's like, it's like, remo it's like removing the question and leaving the answer. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. As, as, a, as someone who feels passionately about this movie, this is obviously something that I think <laughs> too much about. <laughs> but here's the reason it came to mind, is that that idea in the fourth verse, right? Where it says, how did you put it? It was something about, um, God and man being more united than drum and pipe, yeah, or, or drum and fife, yeah. Um, it's like, is that the answer to the third verse? In a way, mm. where if the third verse, I, I don't know. Okay, this definitely is getting mm. way too tangential because what the I, I realize now that the reason I thought of that is this idea that the 
etymological origin of diabolical or, or diabolic is something similar to divided, right? Mm. And so if something is diabolical, it's causing division. Right, and so, interesting. Yeah. You know, diabolical relating to the devil, right? If you're thumbing your nose at the causes of division, whatever they may be, right? Whatever mm. divisions you're talking about between people, between God and man, etc., right? If that's in the third verse, you're like, that, that mm. diabolical power now has no power, thumb your nose at it. And then the fourth verse is this, like, answer mm. to that, like, and we are now in such union that it's like a drum and fife. And the, throughout we've been playing this drum and fife. I don't know. It feels like a beautiful oh, bow at the really end cool. when it's all together. And if you take the third verse out, it kind of loses some of its potency maybe. Right. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I hadn't thought of that. That's, I think I just beautiful. I th- I'm, I might have just been in a fugue state for a minute talking about a Christmas carol there, Jeff. I'm not even sure how long <laughs> I ranted on about that, so I'm sorry to have commandeered that. No, I was I loved that. That was great. <laughs> when, and, when I review, I'll see. I'll time it and see if that was too much. Maybe I'll take it out. <laughs> total, total tangent, but yeah. you can take this out. But um, my favorite movie of all time mm. is Muppets Treasure Island. Mm. Uh, I'm with you, absolutely. Absolutely the best movie ever and worth watching over and over and over again. I could not agree more. I, and I, I go from feeling, like, tell me, tell me if you think this is, is true, but, like, it, in a similar way with uh, Up at Christmas Carol, with, uh, is it Michael Caine who plays Scrooge? Like, I've seen all the Muppet movies, and no offense to any human actors in the Muppet movies, but, like, what <laughs> you, have to, you have to, like, in your heart of hearts, see those puppets as real sentient beings, you know? I think. <laughs> right. and, you know, armchair director here, right? But that's why Michael Caine does so well, and I feel the same way about Tim Curry. Like, oh, right. man, he, it's so silly, and yet he does it so well. You know, even his singing, you know, the stars will be our compass, you know, like all these things. Like, if yeah. he wasn't 100% committed to this being real, it wouldn't be so great. And be, But because he is... It's yeah. not kitschy or silly. It's just awesome. Right. <laughs> it is. I, and I, I confess, I've only seen The Muppets Christmas Carol once, and I don't remember it well, but, so now I, I think I need to go reappreciate it. Yeah, go reappreciate it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's so delightful. But I have to find the original non-widescreen version. Of yes. Family. Oh, man. If you can get it, like, on, you know how sometimes DVDs will have the option where you can choose mm. between the two? Um, I believe that the DVD version... If you choose the standard, you still get the whole movie. But if you choose the widescreen, mm. you, you lose that scene. I think that that's the case. So. Interesting. But yeah, I, I, I well, of course would always watch something on widescreen if I had the option, but that's the one movie in my entire library that it's like, nope, we're, we're going to watch the <laughs> real movie the way it was intended to be. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> fun. Which, of course, as a kid, you know, on the VHS, I always wanted to fast forward through that scene because not a sad song about love. I don't, I don't need that, <laughs> you know, give... Get me Sattler and Waldorf again, and you know. Right. Oh, fun. Oh, where, 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 where are we now, Jeff? That was our tunes, right? Those were our that, tunes. Those were our tunes. Yep. Yeah. Did we did we put a spot to play the audio for Pat Pan? I don't think we did yet. Let's listen to that. Let's listen to it here. Great.
Well, there we go. Another holiday episode down. And thanks again to my good buddy Jeff for coming on and making it happen. I really appreciate all the time that he put into researching these and, and providing some recordings and stuff like that. Um, you thought that you were free. Well, you're not yet. There's one more song I want to share with you. A little, little shameless promotion for, a, for another project. Um, my good buddy Jeremy over at the Way Too Twag um, Bagpipes and History podcast and uh, our good friend John Charles, who has been a guest on that podcast and also recently um, guest hosted a podcast that was really good. I'd highly recommend checking it out. If you'd like, uh, we've been working on this fun little project, and uh, we've got one track uh, ready for release this year, and we're working on a full album of stuff like this. So check out this tune. If you like it, check out the show notes. I'll have some links to where you can get it, and you can support the project to get a whole album of this kind of stuff uh, in time for the holidays next year. Um, and speaking of the holidays, I hope you all have some really good ones. Enjoy this time of year and spend some time playing good music and listening to some good music with some good friends and all that, and uh, you're all wonderful. And I'll see you next year. Bye-bye.